the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Read later on in Leviticus where it mentions that he would invite your family, you'd invite your friends because it'd be a big carcass that you'd bring. And you would come and you would have a big feast together. The priest would celebrate with you. You'd be there with your friends and family. And it was just a special time to be thankful and enjoy fellowship and friendship with God. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and he preached what? Peace to you that were afar off and to them that were near. We now have peace with God. Jesus is our peace offering. We have fellowship with God because of him. We enjoy our relationship with him every day because of his once for all sacrifice of himself. So see, this animal didn't have to point to that sacrifice. So it could be male or female. We enjoy our relationship with him because of his once for all sacrifice of himself. In the same way, I'm to give God my best in all that I do because it's an eternal law. Not because he owes it to me or if I do that or I have to earn something from him, but like the peace offering, simply out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving for what he's done for me. Hello and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Leviticus. God is continuing to lay out how he is to be worshipped. He is not like any of the other idols Israel had seen from other nations. Everything was to be done in decency and in order. God gave the Israelites instructions on how they were to conduct the sacrifices and offerings. In Leviticus chapter 1, we saw the burnt offering, a voluntary offering given to God representing surrender to Him. In Leviticus chapter 2, we studied the grain offering. We join Pastor Will as he explains how the grain offering points to Jesus and continues to Leviticus chapter 3, going over the peace offering. Remember, everything that we see in the Old Testament points to Jesus and has some type of application to us. So turn to Luke chapter 12 with me. Luke 12 verse 1, the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus and, and that they might accuse him of something. And while this is going on, they're trying to catch him. It says they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people insomuch that they trode one upon another. And he began to say unto his disciples, he's seeing all this go on. He's seeing the fruit that's been produced by the teaching of these hypocrites, you know, that want to kill him, that want to get him. He's seeing the fruit of this and, and, you know, of these people, tr- you know, trampling all over each other. And he turns to his disciples and he says, beware you of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So Jesus explains that this leaven is indeed a corrupting influence of sin. It's a symbol for that. And, you know, so when we look at the offering that's free of leaven and free of honey, Jesus was totally free from this corrupting influence. And the Bible says we're to be free of it as well. We read it this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Why don't you turn there real quick? Verses 6 through 8. In the second half of verse 6, he says, Don't you realize, know you not, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? A little sin has a corrupting influence around you? Therefore purge out or put away, remove the old leaven, that you might be a new lump, a new batch of dough. 
as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast of Passover, celebrating Christ, our sacrifice, with our lives. He says, not with the old leaven, not by going and doing the old ritual, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Our service to God, our walk with the Lord, it should be one that is free from malice and wickedness. It should be done in sincerity and truth, just like Jesus. Also, it says here that the grain offering was mixed with oil. And as we know, the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We looked at that when we studied the tabernacle. And you know, what did Jesus do before he ever started serving God? Before he ever started his ministry, what did he do? Remember he came to John the Baptist? And what did John the Baptist say to him? I should be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. Remember what baptism symbolized? It symbolized the idea that my old life was dead. And now I'm living for God now. He's like, I don't need to baptize you. You haven't done anything wrong. And what did Jesus say? He said, suffer it to be so now that the scriptures might be fulfilled. I need to be the man that Adam wasn't. I need to succeed and be yielded wholly to God like a man should be. And so Jesus, he did it. It says that John permitted him. And so John baptized him. And while he did so, and then it says that the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and he drove him into the wilderness. And then Jesus, when he came out of that wilderness, after he was tested, right? He came and he began his ministry. Jesus didn't start his ministry until he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting before God, through Paul in the, in the book of Ephesians, tells us how to be godly husbands, how to be godly wives, how to be godly parents, how to be godly kids, how to be godly workers, how to be godly bosses. He says, be filled with the Spirit, right? Singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. We need to be filled with the Spirit or our service will be in the flesh. It mentions that this offering was a sweet savor unto the Lord. You know, in Jesus, as we looked at last week, he said, I always do those things that please my Father. Jesus' life and service was a pleasing aroma to the Father. But then what's interesting about his, this service offering is that it was offered alongside what? Frankincense, Right? Incense was always you know, used in prayer. When they would bring the incense into the golden altar inside the, the tabernacle proper, that would be symbolizing of the prayers of the high priest going up for the nation, and God was hearing them. Well, you know, more than anything, of all the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them about, what did they ask him? There was something they noticed about his life that they said, we need that. And what was it? Lord, teach us to To pray. Jesus' service, his ministry was dominated by prayer. Everything he did was done with prayer. How many times we see in the scriptures it says, and he went away to pray as Jesus was praying. You know, he got away and he went and prayed. You know, in our lives, in our service, man, prayer makes a difference. (laughs) It makes a huge difference. And lastly, this salt, fascinating salt. It's a reminder to you and me that being right with God precludes my service to God. When we have people who sign up and they say, we'd like to you know, be a part of the kids' ministry, we don't just say, okay, great. Here's your kid tools. And here's some kids. We ask questions. We ask them to fill out an application because we want to make sure you know Jesus if you're going to serve by teaching his kids. We don't want any person here thinking they can earn God's favor by serving him. Well, you know, I haven't been a very good person, so I'll, I'll do some things for God and then I'll get to heaven. It's interesting in Matthew chapter 7, and you guys I'm sure have heard this ver- these verses before. It says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus, when he was asked, what shall we do that we might work the works of God, do the will of God? And he said, believe on him that he has sent. So what he's saying is many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name done many wonderful works? You know, Lord, we did a lot of things for you. 
But then he says, well, I profess unto them, I never knew you. We were never in in a right relationship. So depart from me, you that work iniquity. Our service has to be with salt, that we're in a right relationship, a covenant with God. So that's the grain offering. Let's look at chapter 3 now in Leviticus. We look at the peace offering, verse 1. And if his oblation, now we're going to get back to again to a, a blood sacrifice. If his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the curd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And this is what he'll offer. The fat that covers the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So here we are introduced to the peace offering. The word for peace here is the word shalom, but in a different type of take on it though. In this case, it would mean fellowship or friendship. This was also a thanksgiving offering. But while the focus of the grain offering was one of grateful service because of all that God had provided for you, this one is focused on celebrating your relationship with God. In fact, this was the most common offering that was brought by an Israelite. This was the one you read about most in the scriptures that they would bring. This is one you read about when it mentions that Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, he had you know sacrificed 10,000 animals for the, for the people. They were all peace offerings. The idea is we're gonna have a big feast to celebrate our relationship with God. That's why we eat so much here at church. (laughs) Peace offerings. We're just celebrating our relationship with God. Truly, in that culture, eating together was such an intimate thing. Relationship was all over it. And and so the idea here that you would come and you'd bring this offering to the Lord, and they just said, Lord, I'm so thankful for my relationship with you. I want to spend some time with you. I want to celebrate that. And and we'll we'll read later on in Leviticus where it mentions that you would invite your family, you'd invite your friends, because it'd be a big carcass that you'd bring. And you would come and you would have a big feast together. The priest would celebrate with you. You'd be there with your friends and family. And it was just a special time to be thankful and enjoy fellowship and friendship with God. And so here it mentions that you can offer three different kinds of offerings. The first one is from the herd. So if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, which would be a large mammal, so oxen or cattle in this case, if you were to offer that, he says it can be a male or a female and you have to offer it without blemish to the Lord. So as you're going to pick out what you're going to bring, if you're going to bring it from the herd, from a larger animal, and then you had to two things, it could be a male or female, uh, I mean one thing, but it had to be without blemish. So no uh, defects, you know, it couldn't have one eye, it couldn't have a short leg, you know, it couldn't be missing a tail, it, it couldn't be grouchy, none of that. It had to be one that you would say, this is my prize cow, that's the one you had to pick. Right? So that's what you would bring to the Lord, no blemish at all, and it could be male or female. And then when you get there, this is what you do. You would lay your hand upon the head of the offering. It says here you'd kill it, but we, again, we already looked at in chapter 1, that was what the priest's job was. And he would kill it at the door of the tabernacle of sons of the congregation, and Aaron's sons would be there to catch the blood, and then they would sprinkle the blood all around about the altar where they would offer a portion of it, which we'll get to in a moment. 
So like the burnt offering, you would lay your hand on that beast. The word there to lay your hand on means to lean on. You would get close to that animal. You would feel its breath. You would sense its life going away as it was killed. You would lay your hand on it and you would confess your sin to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm not worthy to come here and just fellowship with you. But because of the covenant you've made with us, that's why I'm here. So Lord, would you please forgive me for the fact that I'm still a sinner? Will you accept this sacrifice so that we can fellowship with you? See, while God had already entered into a relationship with Israel, they were still sinners. And so their animal offerings could only cover sin. They couldn't take it away. There had to be recognition of this and a covering for their sin each time they wanted to enter into this special time of feasting with God. And so the animal would take their place in a sense. He would be uh, killed and then the blood would be sprinkled on the altar to to cleanse the altar. And then verse three, we see the portion of what the priest would do. Priest would begin to butcher the animal and this would be the part that would go unto the Lord. He shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offerings an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So here's the Lord's portion. The fat that covers the inwards. This would be the uh, net of fatty tissue that would be uh, covering the intestines. That's what the inwards are, the guts, entrails, the intestines. He said then also all the fat that is upon the inwards. So this would be all the fatty tissue that held the intestines together. So all that fatty stuff would be removed and taken to the altar. Then the two kidneys, it would be taken out and put on the altar and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks. So there was a, that was a very fatty portion. This would be the area of the loins. The flanks would be the loins. A lot of fat was there in the animal. And then you would take, it says also the call above the liver. Uh, the liver is divided into two lobes. And in the, these type of large animals in where the division was, was a fatty tissue to kind of hold it together. They would take that part as well, and you would bring it to the altar, and you would burn it there, it says, on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice. Remember, every morning and evening, the high priest offered the burnt offering for the nation. So there would always be a burnt offering burning on the altar. Any other offerings would have to be placed on top of it or beside it or something. So that's why he says here, you'll take it and you'll place it upon the burnt sacrifice, which is already there upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. As these portions burned on the altar, it signified that God had accepted the sacrifice and they could enter into his presence to celebrate the feast. And so they would do so. We'll look more at that when we get to Leviticus 7. Verse 6, it mentions you can also bring an offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord of the flock. So this would be either a lamb or a goat. Both of them could be male or female. Same thing as the herd had to be without blemish, no defect. Nickname couldn't be Lambo. He had to be lammy or something nice. He had to have a good disposition. He had to have all his parts working and you'd bring him in. And then in verse seven, we get to the lamb. There is a difference between the lamb and the goat because they're different creatures. It says, if he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he'll lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it in front of the tabernacle of the congregation. Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about the altar. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offerings an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So here's the part of the animal that God would get. And they'll go on the altar. The fat thereof, so any, any type of fat that you would find on the animal, and the whole rump. Now, the whole rump, it means the fat or the broad tail. Uh, this was the funniest creature I've ever seen. I never knew this, but they have, they call it the fat-tailed sheep. But like, I expected to see like, like a thick tail. That's not the case. It looks like they have two butts. <laughs> it does. It's the weirdest thing. But what they do is they this fatty tissue and they store that there during the desert season. So they have their rear, but then they've got a second one that serves as kind of a split tail. So there's two humps on the rear end of the Middle Eastern sheep, and it was a delicacy. It's still a delicacy over there today. 
It's, it's actually one of, considered the best part of, of that kind of a sheep when you eat. So he says, that part belongs to God. He gets that part. It shall he take off hard by the backbone. The, the take off hard means he just remove it from the backbone and the fat that covers the inwards. So again, the same thing with the entrails, all the fat that's upon the inwards and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, the loins again, and that fat that's in between the liver division with the kidneys, he shall take it away and the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. And then verse 12 Same thing as for the goat, except it didn't have the rump. He says, and if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand upon the head of it, kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about. God is giving these details so they do not mess it up. Everything had significance. And so he gives the details repeatedly so they don't make mistakes. Aren't you glad we don't live under that anymore? Verse 14, he shall offer thereof his offering, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Here's the part, the fat that covers the inwards, all the fat that's upon the inwards. And the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the loins, the call that is above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor. So again, same as the cattle, No difference. The sheep's the only one that's a little bit different because of its different makeup as a creature. But here when we get to the end of verse 16, we see the emphasis. All the fat is the Lord's. Now the fat here was always the finest or the best part. Still today in the Middle East, they love that stuff. You know, I'm gonna make fun of my dad for a second, but when we were growing up, we had steak and you buy steak and some of the steak has the fat, the grizzle around the end. And he loved that part. He's got more Jewish in him than me. But he loved that part. We were grossed out by it, but he loved it. And there are people I know that are like him, that like that. Over there, everybody's like him. They love that stuff. They love that fatty stuff. They, they put salt on it and they put juices on it and stuff. And they love how it kind of snaps and crackles in your mouth while you're eating it. Yeah. <laughs> so the fat always came to be thought of as the finest or the best part. And the idea was that goes to God. That goes to God. And then secondly, he says, it shall be a perpetual or everlasting statute. God is always to get the best part. It'll be a perpetual, everlasting statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that you neither eat fat nor blood. And we'll get to this later in Leviticus, but the reason is, is because life is in the blood. So he just mentions it here, no blood and no fat. Both of those are strictly for the Lord. The mention of eating here where he says you shall eat, it shows that the rest of the meat was to be shared between the priests and the worshiper. And because it was a large amount of meat, the worshiper would invite friends and family to share in the feast. And like I said, we'll learn more about what portion the priests get and what portion the people get to eat when we get to Leviticus 7. But again, how does this point to Jesus and to us? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. We see that Jesus is our peace offering. For he is our, what does it say? Peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of two one new man, so making, what? Peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and he preached, what? Peace to you that were afar off and to them that were near. We now have peace with God. Jesus is our peace offering. We have fellowship with God because of him. You know, it's interesting. Why is it that it was male or female? Why not male? I thought the idea of the whole, we talked about the burnt offering, it had to be male to to signify Jesus, right? Why male or female? 
Well, remember, to fellowship with God, we don't have to crucify Jesus again, right? To have a relationship with him, we don't crucify him over and over again. We enjoy our relationship with him every day because of his once-for-all sacrifice of himself. So see, this animal didn't have to point to that sacrifice. So it could be male or female. We enjoy our relationship with him because of his once-for-all sacrifice of himself. But it had to be of no blemish still, which shows us that our fellowship with God afterwards, even after we get saved, our fellowship with God is still based upon having Christ's complete righteousness, which comes by faith alone. Our fellowship with God is not based upon how good we've been or how much we read our Bible that day or how well we prayed that day or how faithful we were. We can come to him at any time because our relationship is right with him, amen? Because he was with no blemish. And now we stand in that righteousness. But it mentions here the offering still had to be killed. Turn over to Hebrews 10 with me. It explains why. See, even though they had a relationship with God, those offerings could not take away their sin. They could only cover it. And so when we get here to Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews explaining why Jesus' sacrifice is better than those Old Testament sacrifices, he explains why here. Hebrews 10 verse 1, he says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image or substance of those things, he says they can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year after year, continually, could never make the comers their own too perfect. It could never cleanse them. It could only cover their sins for that moment. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? If those Old Testament sacrifices cleansed them, then wouldn't they stop offering them? Because that the worshipers then once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But see, in those sacrifices, there's actually a reminder again of sins every year. Every time you come, it's a reminder that you're still not fully clean. Because next time you come, you have to do it again. For verse four says, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Look at Romans five and let's see what Jesus's sacrifice did for us. As you're turning there, I wanna read to you Romans 3, 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which comes by faith in Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. And now here it says it, therefore, Being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Our conscience is completely washed. And now we stand totally clean before him. Now that Jesus has died for our sins and we put our faith in that, we've been justified. And so we can fellowship with God at any time, in any location, and have a relationship with him and enjoy it. Isn't that awesome? And then lastly, the fat is the Lord's, it says. You know, Jesus was God's best offered for us, wasn't he? God's best. He would take no less than the life of his own dear son to purchase us back to himself. He says, we were not redeemed with corruptible things like gold and silver or gems. With the blood of his own dear son, Jesus Christ. In the same way, I'm to give God my best in all that I do because it's an eternal law. Not because he owes it to me or if I do that or I have to earn something from him, but like the peace offering, simply out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving, for what he's done for me. Amen? Let's all stand. Lord, we thank you for these Old Testament offerings that give us a better picture of your life and what you've done for us and then how our lives ought to be, how we should be living, Lord. And and in these voluntary offerings, Lord, again, you didn't demand that Israel would do this. This was when you had stirred someone's heart. You had been been good to them and their heart had been stirred because they thought, Lord, what can I do for you because of how good you've been to me? And Lord, all of our Worship, in a sense, all of our offerings are are just that. 
you know, our service to you is just that. We're just saying, Lord, you've given everything to me. I could never repay, but, but take my life, Lord, here it is. Take my service, God, here it is. Lord, take my worship. I just wanna spend time with you. Lord, help us to offer, even as Hebrews tells us, regularly to offer these sacrifices of praise, Lord. Sometimes we think that these, I know, at least I can forget and think that the sacrifice of praise just means, you know, singing or or speaking things, Lord, but our service is a sacrifice of praise as well for all you've done for us. You know, when we sit at your feet, Lord, it's a sacrifice of praise because, Lord, we're just so grateful for the fact that we can come to you, that you receive us unto yourself. Lord, help us with our lives to offer up these grain offerings, this peace offering to you regularly in Jesus' name. And we thank you that you accept us, Lord. Amen. Jesus is our peace. We have complete peace with God because of the life and death Jesus offered on our behalf. Christ died for us even when we were sinning against him. We have peace with God. And from that peace with God stems the peace of God, a peace that passes all understanding as we put our faith and trust in him. Did you know you can call us and ask for any physical assistance or spiritual need? We would love to pray for you. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.